verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand and Joshua went unto him and said unto him art thou for us or for our adversaries and he said nay but as the captain of the host of the Lord am I now come And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? Amen. Now, Lord, we need you for a moment to open up our ears of understanding, our eyes to be enlightened for the work of the church that you have called this church to, for the work of the kingdom for the field that exists all around us. I pray right now in Jesus' name, call laborers tonight into the field of harvest of every surrounding community in miles and miles of circumference around this house and in their homes in Jesus' name. I pray right now that you would do a work in the spirit that only you can do. I pray right now, Lord, that you would do a work in the Spirit, Lord. It's got to be by your Spirit, Lord. I'm going to preach your word. But only if you work in the Spirit, Lord, can anything be done. Don't let this be the arm of flesh, Lord. I pray against all intellectual prowess, Lord. I pray against all keen understanding. I pray, Lord, for an unction of the Holy Ghost. I pray right now that you would break the yoke that that binds up the people in this house. I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray against every spirit of discouragement that would come up and bind up the people that are supposed to be working in the field, Lord. I pray against every oppressing spirit and every opposing spirit and every work of the darkness of the world, I pray. I pray against the spirit of the age right now and I loose in the name of Jesus the spirit of joy and determination and yearning and passion, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray the blood of Jesus Christ over every body, every mind and heart and soul. I pray that we would open up our hearts to you right now, God, and do something in our lives, Lord, that only you can do. According to your word, according to your word, according to your word, Lord. Amen. Amen. Just where you're standing, just stand right here. Brother John Fisher needs a healing in his body. In the name of Jesus, I pray right now. I plead the blood over John Fisher. You don't have to move toward him. Just reach your hand toward him. In the name of Jesus. By the authority of the name of Jesus. The power that's in the name of Jesus. The blood of Jesus Christ. By the authority of your word of God, we take dominion over every sickness right now. You can do anything. Rearrange cells in his body right now. 
I pray right now for Mark Manley. Right now he needs a healing for his body in the name of Jesus. I pray right now that you would heal Mark Manley's body in Jesus' name. I plead the blood over Mark Manley right now in Jesus' name. By the authority of the word of God, the power that's in the name of Jesus, we pray it. Heal him right now. I don't care what the doctor's report says. I'm not going to believe the doctor's report. I've got a great physician that can do more and greater things. Jesus is the healer. We're with you, Lord. We're with you, Lord. We're with you, Lord. It's all because of you, Lord. Father, if you could open up the blind eyes in Bangladesh and Ethiopia and every place around the world, you can heal Oliver Hutchings in the name of Jesus. You can open up his eyes because nothing's too hard for you, Lord. There's nothing too hard for you, Lord. We're gonna get on your We're gonna get on your side, Lord. Thank you. you. May be seated. When you're seated, clap your hands because the Lord has given his word tonight. We just heard the word. Come on, let's now hear it. Must have been a strange thing. For Joshua, having spent the better portion of 
40 years by the side of Moses. Not to have the elder beside him that day. Joshua was anointed and appointed to lead the people. He did so with great authority. In biblical order, Moses has died and Jordan has been parted. While the kings of the Amorites and the kings of Canaan shuddered in fear at the news of the parting of the Jordan River, Joshua was pressed to consecrate the people. I won't speak of the whole, you can read it when you get home. Just to say that when the kings heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan, the Bible says, and I quote, their heart melted, neither was their spirit in them anymore. Joshua remembered almost everything that he had learned from Moses. The scripture paints his education in the truest colors possible. But there came a day when he was caught off guard. I read it to you in the text. It came in between Israel's consecration and the battle of Jericho. Perhaps God appeared in some theophany or form, or an angel, or maybe it was Michael, the archangel. The best the writer could say is that it was the captain of the Lord's host. Here's the description from the NIV. Joshua was near. He saw a man standing in front of him. He said, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, the man replied. But as the captain of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Look closely. Joshua is getting very close to what will be the most pivotal battle, Jericho. That fortified city is looming in the forefront and Joshua is considering the ability of his own congregation. It's then that he encounters what the Bible calls a man standing. This so-called man has a form. He's a man of war. A sheath is assumed because a sword has been drawn. And Joshua is now facing him. The sight of the man provokes Joshua to make an inquiry of sides. Sides. Joshua does not recognize this man. He's not yet in tune to the spiritual manifestation that stands before him and Joshua is going to stumble. He will forget one lesson taught to him by Moses because Joshua will ask, are you for us or for them? Which side are you on? He should have known better, but Joshua has spent too many years with faithless people. Though all of those faithless people have died off, it might be that their constant complaining about their present condition has worn him down. He spent too many decades walking in circles with a people who murmured, criticizing their leader Moses, balking at God's provisions and walking in fear born from, hear me, disgruntled spirits and self-imposed restrictions. You see, Joshua had once gone up the mountain with Moses when the Lord called him. He did not get to go up all the way. But when Moses climbed Mount Sinai, Joshua went up halfway. He was not close enough to see the glory of God or hear his mighty voice. But at least he was removed from the clamor of the crowd below. By the time God gave Moses those tablets of stone, 
which we now know as the Ten Commandments. The people had reverted back to the ways of Egypt. Moses is rushing down the mountain with the law in his hands, and along the way he picks up Joshua. Moses had been gone a mere 40 days when the people devolved into idol worship. And when Moses came down that mountain, he came upon them and saw them. So many of them were dancing around the golden calf. His anger spilled out and he broke the tablets of stone carved by the Lord's own hand. It was obvious that he took their insolent behavior personal. Moses took it personal. But even still... Moses was about to teach a lesson for Joshua and for everyone, for all the ages, about sides. Though he was furious at their behavior, when he spoke, when Moses spoke, are you ready? When he spoke, he asked for a distinction. He did not personalize the matter. Moses asked in Exodus 32 and 26, who is on the Lord's side? Let me read it again. Exodus 32 and 26. Who is on the Lord's side? He did not ask who was on his side. Because the issue was not about personality. It was about godliness and separation from the idols of Egypt. It was not about individualism or his personal identity. Moses was an anointed man of God, ladies and gentlemen. He was the world's greatest leading pastor. He spoke with God, the Bible says, face to face. He was called a prophet, a deliverer. He was the law giver, Moses. But the distinction that he was after was not about him. It was between those who worshiped the golden calf and those who kept themselves from it. And more so, it was about the sanctity of God's realm. Holiness. Outward Holiness. It was not a matter or a battle or an issue between Moses and the whims of the people. It was not us versus them. It was not my side and my thought versus your side and your thought. It was a God issue. Shall he be God? Is he God? And is he God alone? Or is he a part-time God? Until your leader is absent and there's no church going on. Sunday night's over and Friday night's here. So let's get out the golden calf because we got part-time religion. Moses didn't ask for people to stand by him or with him or beside him. This is what he asked. Who's on the Lord's side? Not mine or yours, but his. Look, (laughs) my side, I'd like to think it has credibility. In fact, I'd like to think Moses was in the right. But then again, you know, he lost his temper and broke God's handwritten laws. I would like to think that my side has substance, even a little bit more integrity than your side. People almost always think that they're more right than the people who have offended them. We almost always make a case for ourselves. Even the Bible says every man, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. Moses was not asking for personal support, of the which he received very little during his 40 years of leadership, but rather something awakened in him that made him boast in the singularity of God. Who is on God's side? Who is on the Lord's side? And then scrolling ahead in time now, Joshua forgets that lesson. 
He sees a man of war, the captain, the host of the Lord God Almighty, and he asks him, are you for us or for them? Are you on our side or are you on their side? Joshua should have considered the Lord's side because there is no other side but God's side. My side is filled with personality and self. My side, as hopeful as I think it is, as principled as I want it to be or might believe that it is, it's still filtered through my own thought. Are you with me here? My good intention, ladies and gentlemen, is no match for his holiness. Neither is yours. I cannot measure up because my side is always a little bit suspect. A little bit self-presentation. Self-preservation. Self-ambition. Even when I'm walking in the spirit, I'm still provoked by the Lord to have a daily crucifixion of my flesh. No. Go wrap your mind around that. All you people walking in the spirit think you don't have to get down and repent. You ought to be repenting every day. You ought to be dying out to your flesh every day. I'm going to tell you something. You don't have an enemy in this house greater than you. There's no devil in hell that can take you down like you can take yourself down. You ought to get on the cross every day and you ought to crucify yourself. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ live within me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I die daily, Paul said. Why? Because the flesh is a powerful thing. Don't ever think your personality cannot trump the Holy Spirit. It will and does every time. Hmm. <laughs> Go wrap that around your brain. Or like they used to say, put that in your pipe and smoke it. But since we don't smoke, everybody's dying of the pipes. You ought not be smoking, you're just going to die. Maybe we should just think about it. Don't tell me how righteous you are and how right you are and how good you are and how your spiritual gifts are from God and your side is okay. And other people's side is wrong. Let me tell you, your side is flawed from its inception. And we haven't even talked about their side because their side, well, obviously, if we're righteous, then by deductive reasoning, they must be carnal. <laughs> See, the unity of the church is under attack because there are too many sides and too many factions. And we cannot hear pastor. And we will not see our families saved and our children saved and our city saved and our babies grow up in the church loving God and people in unity and peace if there's not unity in your home, at your kitchen table, and at the church. Because Jesus said, a kingdom divided against itself, that kingdom will not stand. If a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. I know I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. I'm feeling all of your spirits right here. And I know the Lord is speaking directly to all of us. Jesus said, if a house divided, it cannot stand. Joshua said, are you on our side or are you on their side? And the captain of the host said, I'm on neither. I'm on my own side. It's God's side. There is no side here. It is and for shall ever be. It shall... It shall be now and until eternity. Wherever the Lord is standing, it is God and no one else. 
He's the only one good. All like all we like sheep have gone astray. They're all gone out. They're all together become filthy. None is good, ladies and gentlemen. No, not one. So before you make your boast and say how good you are and how pivotal you are to this house, let me just tell you right now. God was here before you got here. He'll be God when you're gone. He's going to raise up somebody. He's not looking for your side. He has his own side. He's God alone and he don't need me to tell him how to operate. He can raise up dry bones. He can make an army out of a graveyard. He can make a revival out of a widow woman. He can do anything. I think in his mercy, he's waiting for me to get my act together. But if I reject him, if out of my pride I refuse him, his side is always going to attract somebody and he's going to stand up and say, who is on the Lord's side? Who, who is on the Lord's It's not a draft. You can't manipulate the Lord. (laughs) Can't manipulate God. Is it okay if I tell the story, Scotty? About mom? She's not here. Are we going to get in trouble? Can I blame you? Okay, thank you. My... Mama loses her daytimer. Her, she's got all of her, she writes down all, all of her codes for all of her computers and phones in it. She writes them down. Yeah, not a safe, just, just carries them around. And, and, and she, she didn't know where it was. And she said, Dana, oh, pray with me, Dana. I got to find my daytimer, my calendar. And Dana said, Mom, just think about where you were the last time you had it. Oh, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pray. Dana said, listen, just think about where you were. She said, no, no, Dana. We've got to intercede before God. Dana said, Mom, where were you? I, I'm just going to go pray. She hung up the phone. She started praying. She said, Lord, you know where that daytime is Lord listen I know you know where it's at Lord and I won't be mad at you if you don't tell me she said I'll still love you Jesus if you don't tell me where it's at I'll still love you as if okay God you're going to be mean to me but I'll still love you because I'm so good she's trying to manipulate him dawned on her maybe it was at the sprint store she's flying down the road the police officer pulls her over and says ma'am you know you're going too fast she said oh i'm so glad you pulled me over i was praying about my daytimer and i'm gonna go right over to that parking lot i'm gonna call the sprint store i think that's where the daytimer is she just went over there and he just said okay <laughs> listen you're standing whatever you think you don't get to draft heavenly angels to your side You don't manipulate God and decide you're more right and they're more wrong. I'm trying to get to it, everyone, sides, because I'm weary with hearing about good people and their good intentions. I say, let God be God. Let God be God. You're not God. I'm not God. It's not my side and your side. It's the Lord's side. Here, Pastor, we as a collective group of believers are suffering with following image-related ministries. We love personalities and figures. We make them pulpit idols. We ought to be finding out, rather, who's on God's side and what his side entails. we got to find out what his side is all about. Because in the end, I'm not going to save you. Your best friend's not going to save you. Your Sunday school teacher's not going to save you. The ministry's not going to save you. But the Lord is going to save you. 
Uh, if you believe that, you'd be clapping your hands. But you don't believe it yet. You ought to thank God because he's the only Savior. I'm just going to provoke you a little bit tonight here because I'm trying to get on God's side. So let me talk about it. I got to talk about what is on his side. Let me tell you what his on, what's on his side. Purity. Uh, honesty. You think you can lie all week long and come in here and do your shout and jig and still be on God's side? Honesty is on his side. Uh-huh. I've never seen so much lying in my life. And I'm wondering, now how can you call yourself a Christian and still lie and be dishonest and be, be impure? How about the fruit of the Spirit? Which obviously emanates from the Spirit. <laughs> All right. This is not the evangelist. How about... Faithful husbands that work a job and come home and work at home. How about men who don't have private passcodes on their phones and on their computers? How about faithful wives? That's God's side. Faithfulness is on God's side. How about obedience and submission? Oh, man. I'm going to tell you something right now. These ladies in this church, you are a phenomenal, powerful people. The women in this church, you have so much authority with the angels. But nobody can wreck a home like a disgruntled wife. And there are women who are destroying churches and homes all around the world, all around the United States, and all kinds of churches. I know what my culture is. My culture is lying to you. Our culture is lying to you. The, the natural inclination of the woman is to usurp the man. That was the curse in the garden. Oh, man. I didn't even know what you were teaching, Elder. When you got to Morning Man, I didn't even know what you were teaching. But I'm going to tell you something. We got to get it in order. Because judgment begins at the house of the Lord. How is the world going to know how to act, a husband and a wife and children, if it's not found here? We got to stop being dysfunctional and start being functional. That's the Lord's side. Hey. I want to do all the shouting and dancing too, but we got to get our families, not at the church house, but at our kitchen table and sit around a table with the Bible open. When was the last time you sat with the Bible open at your table and said, let's just read the Bible together? What we become is a bunch of socialists, spiritual socialists. We like socialism in the church. We want everything dumbed down. We don't want to do anything for ourselves. But God said, you need to get into your home and let there be word and prayer in your home. Oh, man. This ain't good. This is not good. You should have come back next week. You should, you should have stayed home. 
you could have turned down the volume. I'm talking to you. I know who you are. Uh-huh. See, his side entails his kingdom, not your kingdom. You know how quick kingdoms can start in apostolic churches? All the time. They, just like that. Because someone has a moment of inspiration and they just go off on a tangent and think their way is the only way. See, I'm seeing this in all kinds of churches all around the country. People are building their own kingdoms in their churches. They call it spiritual advice or spiritual counsel. But they really are out to garnish power and influence for themselves. Oh, Jesus, help me now. Come on now, we, we have to have unity because what the preacher preached today, we're going to go do it, but we're not going to do it because we got excited this morning. We're going to do it because we're going to get functional and we're going to get on his side. Not on my side, not on your side, but on the Lord's side. On the Lord's side. You see, even if you're single, the most important thing that you could ever do is to follow the submission of the scripture. But if you are married, you ought to pray that God would be in your home every day, night and day. The Lord would be in your home every day. I don't know if I'm preaching or teaching. I might even be blowing hot air. I don't know. I'm going to tell you about his side. His side is holiness. Our side is hiding. Because holiness starts on the inside. If it really is on the inside, it'll work its way on the outside. That's right. Because when sin entered the world, the two people that were living in the world, Adam and Eve, they didn't have any clothes on. And when sin entered the world through disobedience, they looked at themselves and they realized we're naked. But they hadn't seen themselves naked until sin entered the world. And then they ran and got some fig leaves and covered themselves up. And God said, where are you? They said, we're over here hiding. He said, why are you hiding? They said, because we're naked. And God said, who told you you were naked? See, when sin arose, God put inside of everybody a conscience. And the conscience was the little balance that told you right from wrong. So when they were convicted by their own conscience, they put on clothes. But the Bible said the last days that people have their conscience seared like with a hot iron. So when you lose your conscience, you take your clothes off. I'm, I'm talking about holiness. you got to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. I'll tell you, before you do anything, you ought to get down on your knees and pray, God, show me how to live. i got to be on your side. Show me how to talk. Show me how to dress. Show me what I should take. Show me where I should go. I've got to please you. I want to be holy inside. Uh, I'm trying to get on the Lord's side. I don't, I, I'm trying to get past my own personality. I'm trying to get past my own pseudo-spirituality. i got to get on God's side. I know his book is his side. Hey, hey, i got to get on his side. Let me tell you where his side is. 1 Timothy 2.4, talking about our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. He wants everybody to be saved. <laughs> Brother Robinette was preaching this morning, 
And I was convicted immediately because I've been praying for 10% of my city. And he got up and said, we ought never be praying for 10% of our city. And I just had a boom, just a big knife stuck right there. I said, oh no. I've been praying that. I've been speaking it out in the microphone. He said, you ought to be praying for 100% of our city. Boy, I love that. And I was hoping nobody could remember what I was praying for before. I just re- right, I'm just going to reinvent my prayer right now. I want everybody in West Terre Haute, North Side, and the East Side, the West Side. I want every church to be baptized in Jesus' name. I'm praying for 64,318 people to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Hey, that's his side. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. He wants everybody to be saved to come to the knowledge of the truth. Let me tell you what his side is. He did not. Hey, he did not die just for us. He died for everybody. Let me tell you what his side is. His will. His side. His side is for everybody in this house to find somebody that does not go to church here and invite them into your house and fix them a dinner or something and teach them a Bible study. Wait, I thought you were excited about 100%. Uh, Okay, let's do that again. Let me rephrase it so it's more exciting. God! The Spirit wants you to go find a friend that doesn't come to church. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, wants you to bring them into your home. It's dirty. The baseboards haven't been swept. Don't worry about it. God has blinded the enemy's eyes before he can blind your neighbor's eyes to the dust mites everywhere. They're going to step in looking like, man, this is a mansion. They're going to pull out that rickety old chair. They'll feel like they're sitting on a throne with a scepter in their hand. God wants you to find somebody and bring them into your home and open up the Bible. And say, let me tell you about Jesus. He does not want you to say, would you like to go to church? You need to go to church. You look like you need to go to church. You know you're going to go to hell if you don't go to church. He wants everybody to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. What's the knowledge of the truth? It's the gospel, Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. It's John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Marvel not that I say to thee, ye must be born again of the water and the spirit. It's 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Just as Noah was saved by water, even so now baptism doth now also save us. You better get in the book. Listen, when you stand before God, you'll have no excuse. Well, if they would have just given me material. Tabletop Bible study can be downloaded on your computers in a PDF form for free. The books are seven bucks. If you become a disciple maker, I will buy you 100 of those books and I'll let you teach everybody a Bible study. But I'm tired of giving people a book and let them sit on their dashboard until the sun bakes them. You want to be on his side? Go get somebody and bring him to church 
after you brought them to your house. Go get some, bring them to church after you brought them to Java Hoat. Man, I have said Java Hoat so many times, I ought to get some revenue from, from, for free advertisement. Bring them to your favorite restaurant. Bring them to your home. Love on them. Give them a cookie. Give them a pie. Do something for them. But go on into the highways and the byways and compel them to come. Let me tell you why some of you are having trouble. Because you spent, because you chose sports for your children over the church. Let me tell you why you have trouble. Because you love football and baseball on Sunday nights more than you love church. Because you like activities more than you love church. Go knock on every door in your neighborhood. Ask them to join you in a group on Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Because we got Bible study in here on Wednesdays. And we got church on here on Sundays. Are you ready? I don't know if you're really ready. Because some of you come to this house, you're looking for a position. Some people come in, they're looking for a place for themselves when you ought to be looking for someone lost outside. Let me just make the declaration. We got a, we, we got a new form, brother. Coach Farr is working on it. He's the tender one, sweet one. He's the yes man, but we're trying to create a form so it kind of, kind of hardens him up a little bit. Before you ever think about going on any missions trip, you ought to have taught someone a Bible study because I don't want to spend or have you spend two or three thousand dollars going somewhere 15,000, 10,000 miles away to try to win somebody to the Lord, but you won't go down to your neighbor and bring them to church or bring them to your home. That's nonsense. You got a burden for the lost? Go out and tear a hold and bring them to your home and teach them a Bible study. Before anybody in this church is ever commissioned to go out there you ought to, and go to another country, you ought to come here in this house. When you fill up a row of people, I will personally pay your way to any place in the world to go and minister. But if you ain't got nobody with you, there ain't no reason for you to go to Bangladesh or the Philippines or Madagascar or Africa or Europe. One of my friends told me, he said, Jeffrey, I had four people a few years ago go on an AYC trip. They came back and did nothing. They sit on the back row. And if we had had all the money that they spent on their seven-day trip, we could have bought a new van and brought people to church. I'm talking about the Lord's side. I'm going to talk about the Lord's side. He wants everybody to be saved. He wants the people you like and the people you don't like. He wants your friends and your family and your neighbors and people you don't know. He wants everybody at your workplace, everybody at your school, everybody everywhere. He wants everybody at the house of God. But you got to teach them the word. All right. Let me tell you what his side's about. His side is about a demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Now watch this. Moses breaks the tablets of stone. He's incensed at the sight of their nakedness and their handmade golden calf. It looks like the Egyptians' golden calf called Asics. Moses calls, Who's on the Lord's side? And up steps the tribe of Levi. The distinguishing mark of the priesthood came when the house of Levi, Levi took up the defense of the Lord. They became priests when they decided 
to be on the Lord's side, not before. They were the ones who came forward. When Moses drew the line of sand, a decision had to be made. It was the Levites who stepped forward. Yes, the Levites would later become the tribe of priests. But this was long before Moses divided them up. Before they ever were chosen to live in the cities of refuge. And serve before the Lord day and night. And have authority in the realm of sacrifice and spiritual endeavors. Levi decided, we are going to be on the Lord's side. The distinction about who you are. And perhaps even where you will be. Is determined by what you stand for. And what you stand against. I want this house to be a Holy Ghost house and a house of refuge and the only way it can be a house of refuge is if everybody gets real and gets on the Lord's side so all of you folks who still think you can have a little drinking with alcohol and a little marijuana I'm going to tell you the Lord's coming for you He's going to take you out and separate you. Hear hear me, everybody. Everybody who thinks that they can go over and gamble all their life away and put all their money in scratch cards, but you don't want to put a hundred bucks in the offering. I'm going to tell you right now, God can wipe you out. You'll have nothing. Hear me. That money that you're giving to the world and the casinos, it's going to die with you. You better be all in on the Lord and get on his side. All of your life, all of your energy, all of your love, all of your passion. You ain't fooling anybody but yourself. Come on, get on the Lord's side. Come on, everybody, get on the Lord's side. I got to be on his side. I got to be separate. I got to be holy. I got to be right. I got to be true. Please, everybody, stand with me now. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. If you're, if you're sitting next to your wife, if you're not sitting next to your wife, go sit next to your wife. If you're not married, don't go sit by anybody. <laughs> go stand next to your wife if you're not. In fact, wait. Elders, mate, you can just stay right there. Mate, come, Sister Gordon, mother, come. Sister Hardiger, come up. If, if, if your husband's up here, you can come up. Maybe, maybe if you wanted her to be your wife, I guess you could go over there by faith. But I don't know. Thank you. Thank you, sweet. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Where's your wives? Where's your wives? You guys got wives? That's good. Where's your wife, Larry? Go, go get your wife down there. Go get your wife. You got another clarinet for her to play? Come up here. That's good. That's good. Beautiful. Beautiful. Come, sweetie. Come up here. Okay, here's where we're, we're going to start this way. This is not, this is just beginning. Turn your wife and look at her right in the face. I love you. Tell her, I love you. I want to have a godly home. I want, to have a, I want to have a godly marriage. I want it to be functional. I want us to be right. I want us to be committed to the things of God. I want us to be on the Lord's side. Right now, grab your, grab your wife and say, Lord, let's pray together. Lord, heal our marriage. Heal our marriage, Lord. Heal every marriage in this house. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
Tammy, I want you to go down the aisles. I want you to put your hands on people as you go down the aisles. I want you to pray that the Lord would touch them in their homes, their marriages. Pray. That's beautiful, that's beautiful, that's beautiful, that's beautiful. Come on, we ought to pray for our marriages right now. The, the enemy is after our marriages. We got too many sides going on even at home. We're struggling. I'm weary with divorce because the Lord's been so absent from our homes. I'm weary with it. Come on. We got to pray right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for every husband and every wife. In the name of Jesus, I pray.